we're in uh, day eight of our 21 days of prayer and fasting. And uh, we have cards. If you want a, a, a hard copy of a card, just place in your car or living room or your desk at work. There's cards at the connection centers on the way out. Grab one of those. And those are just simple prayers that we're praying together and then scripture verses connected with them. And uh, grab one of those. You can actually, this is something new that we've done this year, is you can actually have that prayer and that scripture verse text to you at 8 o'clock in the morning. I, I signed up for that, and, man, it has been just, I love that. I love that feature. You can do that. Of course, you can find all of this on what to do. Go to newspringlive.com. There's a page for prayer and fasting. There's about four or five different ways that you could fast, and it's your choice. And I'm asking you to 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 do these spiritual disciplines or these spiritual action steps, the reason why is, guys, listen, God really laid this on my heart this year about uh, back in October about this mountain experience. And I said, God, what do you mean by this mountain experience? And he said, Shannon, first off, I want to tell you, you, you preached on the God of the valley. I'm the God of the valley. And if you remember that, you were here for that message series that we saw that God is the God in our valleys. But he says, you can't preach I'm the God of our of the valleys without preaching also, look at the scriptures, that I'm the God of the mountains. I kind of got excited because that means God's going to show a different side of him. And I wonder as God takes us on a spiritual journey and elevates us spiritually, that our faith is going to be lifted to new heights. Amen. I'm sure we'll have challenges along the way this year in 2022, but I'm so excited because I think God is going to really highlight his presence and power in our life in a way that Maybe we've not seen that or witnessed that before. Now, the key is, is I want you to say, God, I'm tearing down any walls that I'm building up that may prevent you from speaking to me. And I wonder if you'd pray that personal prayer and just say, God, maybe nudge my heart in a way that I'm not seeing where I need to be more open to you. Maybe make me more aware when I'm in Bible reading or my devotion time or in prayer time. God, just nudge me. Get my attention like we preached last week where God was speaking to Moses at the burning bush. And by the way, we're going back there today. You can turn to Exodus chapter 4. So we looked at Exodus 3 where God, this first mountain experience, is the first time that we see in reference in Scripture that God calls it the mountain of God. It's like God's putting his stamp on it and saying, I, I have an experience that I want to do in the life of Moses. And there are many other uh, people in the Bible that God met with them on this mountain experience or mountain and it's a way that God can get our undivided attention. Can God get your attention? And can he do, and we see when anyone went to the mountain, and you're going to see this in the next few weeks, that every one of them that had this mountain experience with God where he's revealing himself, they were transformed. That transformation. And when I say transformation, I'm talking about it's a good thing. Moses was able to do what he was able to do, lead over 2 million people in difficult circumstances, and he was able because he allowed God to transform him in a way that would have never happened if it wasn't for God. Are you with me this morning? So I'm hoping that kind of gives you, I'm hoping I, I kind of pull you on the same page with me this morning as we look, we go back to Exodus chapter 4, and while you're turning there, we're going to look at verses 2 through 4. And while you're doing that, I want to remind you that we have growth tracks starting. If you're new to New Spring and want to know how to jump on the mission and uh, get plugged in and just get connected, we have growth tracks starting in February. You can go to newspringlive.com. Register for that, please, because we want to provide food for you and just make sure that we're prepared for you. Uh, but we're excited about going into growth track. 
Uh, our groups will be kicking back off again uh, in February as well. Um, I'll be hosting an orientation about what groups uh, are about and just giving my mission and vision for what I see God doing at New Spring through our groups. So we, whether you've led a group in the past or you're interested in leading them again, I want you to come to that orientation meeting because there's some new things there that I want you to see. And uh, that's coming up. You can go to Stay Connected with our events. That's happening, and uh, that date is already scheduled, and you'll see it in the calendar of events. So uh, Exodus chapter 3 and 4, we see God doing something in the life of Moses, that he's transforming him, this moments, these moments of transformation. Now think about this, guys. How long have you been a Christian? How long have you been serving God? And can you think back since the very first time that you gave your life to Christ, I mean, you just said, God, I, I, I'm giving my life to you, and I'm asking you to come in my life, and God just, one, not just forgive me of my sins, but do something in my life and use my life. How many can look back and you can say, wow, there are several moments in my life that I can see where God has given me spiritual growth. Can I see your hands this morning? You, you recognize that, all right? That's what I'm telling you this mountain experience is about. Well, can I just say to you, you're not done. Your growth, your spiritual growth, and how God wants to reveal himself, I don't care if you're four years old, because God did a transformation work in the lives of four-year-old children, right? Amen? I don't care if you're 40 years old or if you're 84 years old. God still wants, I mean, Moses was 80 years old when this was happening, by the way. Come on, somebody. How many of you are older than 80? Right, no one brave enough to raise your hand. Or we have a young church. And even if you are 80, you're young. I'm just saying Moses was 80 years old, and God was still transforming his life. So age has no relevance here. It's spiritual growth of where you're at in your journey and what God wants to say to you. And I'm telling you, this works for teens, for children, for students, for young adults. Come on, for middle-agers. Come on, for our seniors, God has transformation that he wants to do in our life and for us to grow and see him in ways that we've never seen him before. Can you shout amen on that? So there's 40 years that we find Moses from a baby till the time that he killed an Egyptian, 40 years. And he began to run, he run from God like we said last week. If you didn't catch last week's message, go online and catch it. I really want you to see that burning bush experience. He ran from God. Now, He's running from God. He's living with the Midianites, and he marries. He has children now. He's tending. He's watching sheep, and now God gets his attention 40 more years. He's 80 years old. Well, another 40 years have passed, and we have no inclination that God has ever spoke to Moses until now, and he uses a burning bush to get Moses' attention, and God wants to get our attention. Now, it's too quick to leave this. We can't leave this because there are more, there's more to unpack. So we're going back to this moment, but now we're looking at not only Exodus chapter 3, but we're looking at Exodus chapter 4, and the conversation continues on. And I want you to think about this. Think about what God is asking Moses, and what is he unpacking in Moses' heart. It's actually like Moses is sitting down with a spiritual counselor, and the counselor is digging deep into his heart and soul and spirit and his emotions, and he's unpacking some things so he can bring transformation to his life and so he can see some things that he's never saw before. Because that's what's happening. And I don't know if you ever saw that before, but that's exactly what God is doing. God, how many know that he is counselor, mighty God, prince of peace? How many know he's the greatest counselor there ever is? And he knows how to speak our heart's language. 
And if we'll listen to him, if we'll take the time to slow down and listen to him, he has your heart's language and he wants to speak to you. And when he's done, if you receive what he says, I'm telling you, your life will be radically changed in his presence. How many believe that this morning? Exodus chapter 4, amen. Give God praise, amen. Exodus chapter 4, look at verses 2 through 4. So God is telling Moses, Moses, I'm going to use you, and you're going to go do all these things. You're going to go back to Egypt where you left, where you ran from, where you created a mess. You're going to go back to the mess, and I'm going to use you in the mess that you created. Right? And Moses begins to give God all these excuses. And in response to Moses' excuses, God is saying, okay, and I love how God does this. God uses symbols. He uses illustration. He gets very practical. God gets very practical. It's not all philosophy and cliches and superficial stuff. God's going to really get very practical in his life. And he says in verse, verse 2, Then the Lord said to Moses, What is in your hand? Someone chat with me. What is in your hand? You don't get any more practical than that. Moses, what is in your hand? A staff, he replied, and the Lord said, throw it on the ground. And Moses threw it on the ground, and it became a snake. And Moses did what I would do. He ran. Do I hear a witness? I know there's a few weird people that probably have pet snakes. And you say, I don't know what he's running for. I can tell you why he's running. I would run too. I don't like snakes. And then the Lord said to him, look what he said, reach out your hand. And take it by the tail. Now, I'm not the sharpest knife in the drawer, never was the brightest student in the class, but I do know this. If I'm ever going to pick up a snake, which I'm not, unless God tells me, I am not going to pick it up by the tail. Because as soon as I pick it up by the tail, it's going to turn back around and going to bite me. But God says to Moses, I don't care, Moses, what you think you know. I don't care, Moses, how much wisdom you think you have. I don't care whether you know you, it's going to bite you or not. By faith, I want you to do what I'm telling you to do. Go against all what wisdom you think you have and pick up that snake by the tail. And Moses did it. And that's why Moses had a transformational moment. And as long as we're still giving God excuses and we don't have enough faith to trust God to do the things that we're afraid to do, come on, we will never reach our full potential for God. So, Moses picks it up by the tail, and it turned back into a staff in his hand. Now, I want you to see Exodus chapter 4, verse 17. But take this staff in your hand so you can perform the signs with it. Now, from that day forward, Moses never let that staff go. So, we're going to talk about this for a moment. So, number one, number one, the mountain experience reveals who we are, who we are. Before we can ever move through life, and you're going to find, you're going to find, listen to me, there's some places in our life that we find where we're maybe not confident, maybe we are intimidated, maybe we feel like we're not worthy, and there's some of those things has, from childhood, it has formed and shaped you from past experiences. And God is going to dig deep into Moses' life, and he's going to take him all the way so deep to find out where are these fears coming from and where are the excuses coming from and what's preventing him from moving forward. Because if God's going to use this man in a powerful way, he's going to have to get deep into Moses' life so he can find out who he is. 
So God is helping Moses to discover his abilities that he had placed within him to know who he is. He will never reach, we will never reach our full potential if we don't understand who we are and how God created us. It's important for you to understand that God created, there is no other person like you. You're, you're the only person that God has created and there will never be another person like you, exactly like you, specifically like you, for the rest of this life. You, you are uniquely designed and created by God. And God wants you to know. Now, you're going to find in your life, I promise you, if you haven't yet, if you don't, if you don't understand who you are, you're going to hit a block wall one day. You're going to hit a brick wall, and you're going to say, why am I paralyzed? Why am I doubting? Why am I second-guessing? Why am I going through all these fears? Why am I intimidated? I've never questioned my faith before, but why am I doing it now? And it's because God wants you to stop and pause. He wants you to have this mountain experience where he's speaking to you and show you some things in your life on who you are, how has he equipped you, and what is your purpose in life. That's very important to God. So it's the same prayer that, that David had in Psalms 139 and verse 23. Look at it. He said, search me, God. It's a heart of saying, God, I, I want to know who I am, and I'm asking you, Lord, to search me. Can you pray that bold prayer while you're in this 21 days of prayer and fasting and seeking God? Can you say, God, search me. I am not comfortable. I am not I am not in a place where I want to just live my life the way that I've always lived my life. I want to know you more, and I want to, I want to know myself more, and I want to know where you have me in life because I know, I sense down deep that there's more for me, and you have more for me, but I will never get there until you begin. The Creator, my Creator, tells me who I am, so search me and know my heart. That's a good prayer for 2022. Lord, search me and know my heart. And then look what he says, test me. I said to us in 2020 when COVID hit and, and the world went haywire and political tensions were all over and, and hate was all over the place and it looks like the world's in a mess and here we are in 2022 and we've not made any progress it looks like, right? So everything's, but I told you in 2020, I said what's going to happen through COVID is this will test us. God didn't create COVID. God didn't create this, this season of our life and the history where we're at. He didn't create it to test us, but he's going to use this. He's going to use the natural things of life, the struggles that come at us, and he's going to use them to test us. And here's how he's going to test us. It's going to test us to see our commitment of do we really love God? Do you love him so much that you trust him? And then he's going to test us that are we going to truly be committed to loving each other? Can I tell you, we have been tested. Well, here we are, 2022, and we love God. Amen. We've been worshiping God. We're still singing his praises. We're reading his word. We love God. Can I hear a big amen this morning? Now, I don't know. Here we are, and we love each other. I was looking for as much enthusiasm as much as you love God. Love God and love people, the two greatest commandments. And we're going to be tested, and I can tell you there will be more tests that will come to test our love for God and our love for one another. And it has become a test to us. It's going to test your commitment to the purpose and the plan of God. And where the enemy wants, to, where the enemy wants you to fail in this test is for your faith to not be as, as strong. 2019, 2018, man, you may have been soaring high. 
right? You may have been climbing up the mountain and saying, God, show me your glory, God. And now we're at 2022 because we went through some struggles and things that are concerning us and stresses and strains and like, man, where's God? And now in 2022, we may be, our faith may be down here. But can I tell you, God is urging us to come back to his promises, standing on the promises of God. And I'm saying, I'm not giving up. I'm going to keep loving God. I'm going to keep wanting to know God. And I'm going to keep loving each other. And we're going to know God in a greater way. Come on, somebody. Let the test come. And he says, and know my anxious thoughts is what David said in Psalm 139. So I want to just tell you what keeps us from making that bold prayer, and it's pride. Pride, God was working through the pride of Moses, and he had to get it out of him. Moses, the first 40 years, he had been so highly educated. He'd been hanging around the Egyptians for so long, highly educated. He'd been in the palace for so long that he thought he could do anything he wanted to do, and that's why he killed a man, took a man's life. But for the next 40 years, God is getting the pride out of him. He goes on the backside of the desert to become a nobody. And I'm just going to encourage you this morning. I don't know if you've been through a season where you feel like, man, everything you thought you knew you don't know now, and you're just kind of second-guessing yourself. Can I tell you, you're right where God wants you to be. If you feel like all the pride has been knocked out of you, then praise God. That's exactly where God wants you to be. In the next 40 years, God is going to use him in powerful ways. And I say to you, your next season, if you let God transform you, it will be more powerful, more engaging, more effective, more fulfilling, more rewarding, and more glory of God. And the glory of Christ will shine through us if we'll let God transform us and knock the pride out of us. You cannot get to a true place of humility and confidence without surrendering to God's revelation. We'll never get there. And I want you to hear this statement. Listen to me. We can only live in joy, fulfillment, and peace when we have spent adequate time with the one who designed us so he can help us discover who we are. So I'm going to ask you, what is in your hand? What has God given you? What has God given you that you're willing to say that God is asking you, I want you to lay it down, what you think you have and what I've given you. Can you lay it down? Don't lay it down because you've tried it and it's not worked, and therefore you're going to lay it down and say, I'm just going to forget about it. I've tried that. I'm just going to forget it. I can't. I'm laying my faith down. I'm laying this whole church thing down. I'm laying this whole Christian experience down. I'm laying my gift down, my calling down. I'm laying my gifts, and I've tried it, and I've failed. I've been fired from this job. I've been fired for that job. I've tried the relationship, all this stuff. I'm laying it down, and I'm just going to do something different. That's not what God told Moses to do. God told Moses to lay it down but keep his heart and his eye on it. God wants you to lay things down that he has given you, not so you can divorce yourself emotionally and to get detached from it, but so that he can say to you, now that you've given it to me, because it was a staff, a stick before, but now that I have taken it, you've given it to me, I have transformed this and put my supernatural power on it. Now pick it back up and watch the transformation happen, not only through, come on, you, but through the abilities and the gifts and the things that God has given you. Have you given what God has given you? Have you submitted it back to him and said, God, it's not mine. I don't take ownership of this gift. I don't take ownership of this company. I don't take ownership of this house. I don't take ownership of this car. I don't take ownership of the, the things that you've given me. I'm laying them down, not to walk away from them, but I'm laying them down so you can put your power on them because in my hands they become ineffective. But, God, when you put your hand on it, with my hand on it, God, it can do incredible things around me. Are you with me this morning? 
You're trying everything you can to do to keep your marriage together. But I'm telling you, lay it down. Put it in the hands of God, not to walk away from it, but to say, God, I've tried everything, but now I'm asking you to put your supernatural power on it. And then you reach back down and say, God, now I'm reengaging and watch your marriage go to new levels. Are you with me, somebody? What's in your hand? What gift do you have? What calling do you have? What skill set do you have? What knowledge do you have? Have you put your mind in God's hand? Have you put your computer in God's hand? Have you put your desk at work in God's hand? Have you put your relationships in God's hands? Have you put your degree in God's hand? Have you put your passion, what you're passionate about, have you put it in God's hand? Because when you put it in God's hands, he's going to take his hands. What he's given to you anyway, he's going to put his hands on because he's waiting for you to be willing to place it in his hands. And then when you pick it back up and engage with him, come on, this is where transformational power, supernatural power of God works. It's not your ministry. It's not your Sunday school class. It's not your group. Place it in God's hands. It's not your spiritual gift. It's called the gift of the Spirit for a reason. It's, it's the Spirit's gift, not your gift. Can you place it in His hands? Because as long as you try to keep manipulating that thing, you're going to mess it up. You say, Pastor, I've tried. And, I'm, and Moses goes into this, all of these excuses, number two. So the mountain experience not only reveals who we are, but number two, the mountain experience reveals our excuses. And these excuses, what's hidden behind every one of these excuses is pride. Every one of them. Number one, excuse number one, I can't because I don't have all the answers. God, I can't do what you've asked me to do. I can't go to that person and share with them what you put on my heart. I can't encourage them. I can't do that class. I can't do that group because I don't have all the answers. I can't be an effective witness for Christ because I don't have all the answers. Number two, he said, I can't because I don't like ridicule. God, they're not going to believe me. They're going to ridicule me. Forty years ago, I already did it. I went to them, and they, they all turned their backs on me. But that's an excuse. Are you afraid, and it's hidden behind pride, that you're afraid to do what God's called you to do? You're afraid to step out in faith and lead and be an example among the believers that Paul tells Timothy in 2 Timothy. He says, be an example among the believers, but I can't, God, because they'll ridicule me. I'll get laughed at at work. I'll get laughed at. God, I I can't do what you call me to do. I can't create anything because every time I create it, I get ridiculed by it. And you've laid it down. You've dropped it down, and you've walked away from it. And God is saying, go back to the things you laid down now that I put my hands on it. And stop giving me excuses. Excuse number three is I can't because I'm not quick in, in collecting my thoughts in speech. People won't step up and speak for God. You won't testify. You won't share your story. You won't give, give glory to God because you feel like I, I just can't because I, I'm too slow at collecting my thoughts and people will laugh at me and they mock me. But can I tell you, that's pride. That God, if you have to stutter all the way through it, can you give God glory? Not worrying about what people are going to say about you, but you're giving glory to God. And can God get glory through your stuttering and your speaks and your pauses and your awkwardness and clunkiness and how you speak? It doesn't matter because it's not about you. It's about giving glory to God. It's His gift. It's His ability. 
God, I can't because I'm not qualified like others. All of these excuses go back to the form of pride, and God was getting the pride out of Moses. I wonder what pride is keeping me. And I've asked God this question. God, what, what is preventing? What pride in my life that's preventing me from going to a higher place in my faith, in my ability to trust you? And every time I see God, every time I get into a place where I lack the faith and I'm scared and I'm saying, God, I question this, I question it myself, God is saying to me, Shannon, that is a form of pride because it's not about you. It's about me. God was not telling Moses, Moses, you're going to be the deliverer. And I know that every one of us have sat in Sunday school class, most of us, and we've heard the story about Moses and he's named the deliverer. But can I tell you, that's not feel, that is not theologically correct. Moses was not the deliverer. God was the deliverer. Moses was the vessel. And the Moses was only the, th the tool, the resource, the vessel that God used to deliver his people. Can I just say to you this morning that God got angry with Moses' excuse. Look at Exodus 4, verse 13. I've said it before many times that God is not mad at you and God is not angry with you. And I don't think that, that God is angry and mad. I think God, and can I just tell you, when God may be frustrated with us. How many of you have children? Have you ever been angry at your children? Two of us. Two honest souls in the building. Two honest parents. Have you ever been angry at your children? Now think about this. You and I are not perfect, but God is a perfect God. And I've been angry at my children, and I've tried to tell them because I, sometimes the wrath, my wrath comes out maybe in my voice or what have you, and, and they would say, Dad, you don't love me. I remember the first time that Bonnie spanked Ross, <coughs> which was just yesterday. No, <laughs> Ross is our youngest. He's 19 years old. Um, <laughs> I remember the first time that Bonnie spanked Ross, and he turned around with tears in his eyes and says, Mom, you don't love me anymore? How many, how many know that Bonnie never spanked Ross again in, his, in her life? <laughs> yeah, so... So we have a tendency when we see God angry or upset or, 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 or mad at us, we think that God is disowning us. And that is the farthest from the truth. If God is frustrated with us, and he will get frustrated with you, he will. Our stubbornness and our pride will frustrate God. But it's not because he's mad at you or wants to disown you. It's the total opposite of that. He wants you to shake you to say, okay, God, I want to please you. I want to do right because if you look at the Greek word in sin in the Bible, and you don't know that sin, come on, it, it frustrates God. Sin, we're not afraid to say that, right, sin? But if you look at the Greek word sin, I want you to catch this. The language is, is, is the term used in archery. Sin was the bullseye on the target. It's the very, very middle. And so what God is saying to us is that when we sin, it's not because he's mad at us or we're, not, we're just imperfect people. It's because we are missing the target for his purpose for our life. And he knows that if you can hit the target, if you can hit what God wants you to do, and you can surrender your passions and what you want to do, surrender to God, put your life in God's hands, he knows that you will reach your full potential. He knows that he can do incredible things through your life that you've never even dreamed about. Don't miss the mark. And God was angry at Moses because he wanted to move two, two million people out of slavery, out of bondage, and move them into a promised land, take them somewhere. God is wanting to take you somewhere. And Moses kept giving him excuses of why he couldn't do it. 
And Moses, finally God said, look, Moses, you're making me upset because I believe in you more than you believe in me, and I believe in you more than you believe in yourself. I wonder if 2022, as God shows himself on our mountain experiences, that we'll walk down the mountain and we will never doubt, there will be no doubt in our mind of his power, his love, his presence, and how much he loves us and what he wants to do in our life. As a pastor, that's exactly what I want to see happen in your life for the next 21 days. I want to see you have such an encounter with God that he reveals himself in such powerful ways that when you go through the valley and you go through hard times in 2022, you will never doubt again. You'll be solid, standing firm. I'm standing on the promises of God. Come on, I'm standing on firm, and I'm not going to doubt who I am or who God is. Can I hear a big amen this morning? I need a hurry. Number three, mountain experience reveals God's presence and power. God didn't tell, I told you, God didn't tell Moses that he was going to be the deliverer. He said, I want you to deliver, but I'm going to be the deliverer. I'm going to work through you. And it's interesting that God uses a staff or his rod, his, his walking stick. Psalms 23 says, he says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. There's a difference between a rod and a staff. And God is going to use this staff in Moses' hands in a way that he's going to expand the use. And I find it interesting that God does things with illustrations, and he gets very practical. He speaks to us symbolically. And I see this staff representing something that Moses needs to never forget. And when God wants to get your attention and drive home a principal point, point that's going to challenge your life, he will use something in your soul and your spirit that you'll never forget. And God said what is in your hand, and God is placing something in Moses' hand, but he's placing something in your hand. But something happened between Exodus chapter 4 and Exodus verse 2 and Exodus chapter 4 and verse 20. Because it's referred to Moses' staff, the staff. But in verse 20, I want you to see this. I want you to underline this in your Bible. So Moses took his wife and sons and put them on a donkey and started back to Egypt, and he took the staff of God. It's not Moses' staff now. Now this is the staff of God in his hand. When your life is marked by God, whatever you use for him becomes his property. It's his desk. It's his computer. It's his mind. It's his voice. It's his house. It's his building. It's God's. It's not yours. It's God's. F.B. Myers said this. He said, imagine setting forth that day. Zipporah, which was Moses' wife, sitting on the donkey, perhaps nursing a little baby, a newborn. And while that husband and father walked beside, and in his hand was the sacred rod, only a shepherd's crook, but now the rod of God. Destined to be employed for deeds of transcendent power, always reminding Moses what weak things could do when yielded by strong hands behind them. Can I tell you, your life, as you place it in God's hands, even the weakest moments of your life, 
it's not weak because it's not your hands, it's God's hands that's on your life. Can I hear a big amen this morning? And when you have your mountain experiences and you come off the, your mountain and your prayer time and your time in worship, I pray that as you come off that mountain, that experience, that God's presence and power is going to show up in your life in incredible ways. How many believe that and receive that? If you do, come on, give God a shout of praise this morning. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 11, verse 27 says, By faith he left Egypt. Talking about Moses. Check this out. Not fearing the king's anger, he persevered. Why? Because he saw him, God, who was invisible. The mountain experience, he literally saw God. But he didn't. You and I both know. But the Bible says you can't see God and live. But the fact that he saw God work in the burning bush, he saw God, heard God work, his voice, it was like he literally saw him face to face. Can I tell you, when you surrender your life, when you say, God, I'm tearing every wall down, and you begin to open the pages of the Word of God, God is literally going to show up face-to-face -face with you through His Word. He's going to deposit a promise in you that cannot be shaken and will never be removed. God is going to show His presence and power in an incredible way in your life. If you believe that, give God a praise this morning. One glimpse, listen to me. I'm, I'm wrapping up, and the worship team is going to come, but I've got four things I want you to see about this rod, and I want you to write them down. One glimpse of God's glory will radically transform your life. You're going to hear me say this over and over and over again. One glimpse of God's glory. Can I just tell you, I don't need just one glimpse. I need another glimpse of God. Come on. And when we go through what we've been through, we need another glimpse of God. And God is saying to you, he's saying to New Spring Church, I want, I want to show my glory in your life again. You need a refreshing. You need a renewal. But it's not just going back to what you, where you've been. I'm going to take you to a newer height. I'm going to take you to a newer place. And you're going to go to places that you've never been before in your spiritual life. Moses got a glimpse of God's glory and that is why he was able to do so many things and lead so many people because he was yielded to the hand of God. The staff, number one, was a reminder that God gives life to that which was dead. Don't forget it. Moses was a baby who was destined to be dead, aborted. That was what was happening in Egypt, aborting babies. But God preserved. He pulled. In fact, the name Moses means to be drawn out. God drew him out of, come on, that Nile River to preserve his life and was destined for purpose. Can I tell you, Satan's goal for your life is to destroy you and abort you and abort the mission of God, but God is drawing you out. Come on, of, come on, death, destruction, failure. He's drawing you out so he can preserve your life for a greater purpose. So every time Moses, he would not let this rod, this rod go. Why? Because it reminded him that God was giving life to dead things. Can I tell you, your dreams may feel like they're dead to you. Things that God has spoke to you, maybe in 2018, maybe even before, they feel like they're dead to you. But God is a God because of his presence and power. He can bring life back to dead things. Can I hear a big amen this morning? The, the staff was a reminder of God's presence when the presence of others were absent. There was a place that God was taking the children of Israel, and there was no water 
and the Bible says that the people, two million people, how would it feel for two million people wanting to stone you? The very people that he has a heart for, they want to stone him because there's no water. But the staff, here he is, he's, he's standing in the desert, two million Pentecostal spirit-filled people about ready to kill him. Come on, somebody. And all he is is he's standing in the desert and he sees this huge rock and he says, God, what in the world am I going to do? I have no one on my side. Have you ever been traveling through life, journeying, and you feel like literally no one understands you? No one knows how you feel? No one knows what you're going through? No one, even your closest friends, cannot get it, and they probably have told you, I just don't get where you're at. You should just suck it up and stand up and just be a man, be a woman, and come on, go through life. But you're crushed, and you're saying, God, I don't know what to do. And God says, what's in your hand, Moses? He's like, a staff. No, no, no. It's the rod of God. It's my presence and my power. You take that staff and smote that rock. And he did what God told him to do. And it was not, it wasn't just the staff. It was the presence and power of God that caused water to gush forth that fed over 2 million people. I bet there was so much water that kids were probably splashing in pools of water, refreshing themselves. How many know this? When God shows up, Come on, in your life when you feel like all has forsaken you, God shows up with his presence and his power in your life. Number three, number three, the staff was a reminder that God gives guidance in a time of chaos. There's no doubt in my mind that you and I will face other seasons of chaos, things that seem to be chaotic. And Moses stood with, again, two million, come on, two million Baptists, around him saying, Moses, what are we going to do? Red Sea. Egyptians behind us, enemy. But here's two million Pentecostals, Baptists, come on, Catholics. Come on, people trying to follow God. Are you with me this morning? And they're saying, Moses, what are we going to do? And Moses is saying, this Red Sea, did you check the depth of it? It's 1,200 feet deep in, one, in this area. And the area that we're standing at it's possibly 9,600 feet deep. And guys, have you looked on the other side? It's 12 miles wide. And I don't know about you, but there's no boats. And we definitely ain't swimming across this. What are we going to do, Moses? And he says, God, what am I going to do? And God says, what's in your hand, Moses? What's in your hand? Come on, it's the rod of God. It's his presence and power. And you stand over your impossibilities and say, God, I don't know how this is going to work out, but I'm believing you. I'm standing on your promise. And God is able to take, come on, 9,600 feet deep of water and build a wall so 2 million people can walk across on dry ground. Don't tell me that God still can't do it. His presence and power is still very much alive. And I don't know what you're going to face in 2022, but I can tell you this. You have the rod of God, the presence and power of God that's on your side. In fact, Jesus Christ said that the power of Jesus who resurrected him from the grave lives inside of you. You don't get any more presence and power than that. Are you with me this morning? Lastly, number four, the staff reminded him that his, he's journeying up the mountain that mountains, mountains are uneven. They have cliffs. They have dips, sharp edges. 
and the staff, the rod of God, was a reminder that in these rough places of life, even though I'm going up, I ain't even coming down the valley. I'm going up. I'm going up to pray to praise God. I'm going up to have an experience with God. I'm excited about it. I'm not downcast. I'm I'm lifted up. But even while I'm traveling up, there are places that seem uneven. But the rod of God, the presence and power of God, reminds me that He will keep me stable, stable. Come on, anchored, anchored. That the same God that brought me out of the water as a baby when they wanted to kill me, the same God that kept me from being stoned to death, the same God, come on, that got me out of impossible situations is the same God that will keep me anchored in troubled times. Do I have a witness in this place this morning that God wants to reveal His presence and power in our lives? Come on, once again, if you believe that, stand to your feet and give God the highest praise this morning. Can we take two minutes? Come on, as they sing, I want you to just close your eyes for a moment, and I want the Holy Spirit to speak to you before you leave today. Say, God, I'm tearing down whatever walls, whatever's hindering me, I'm, I'm laying them down. What I think I know about you, I'm willing to lay it aside to see you afresh, to see you new. I'm telling you, Dad, I'm telling you, Mom, you're going to need a fresh experience with God. Students, you're in a chaotic world. And you may be saying, God, I don't know how I'm going to navigate my career through what's going on in the world. But I've got some experienced people in this room that know that we can point our students to say, Come on, students, you need the presence and power of God. Come on, to get you through to your, come on, your purpose in life. So, grandparents, don't do it for you. Show some of these younger kids how to come into the presence of God. Let them see a model that says, I'm hungry for God. Even in my 80s, I want to see God again, and I want to know Him. I want to know Him. I want to know Him. So, Father, I pray this morning, lift your hands high. Can you say, God, I lay aside every, everything that may be hindering me, I lay it aside. And I'm hungry to know you, God. I'm hungry to experience you. I'm speaking to somebody this morning. You say, Pastor Shannon, my faith. My faith is on the rocks. I'm on the verge of either going, of either letting it go or possibly reaching to a higher place to know God. And if that's you this morning, just lift your hands high and I pray over you. Father, I pray. Give them, Lord, confidence to pursue you. Light a fire in their heart like you lit a fire in Moses. Light a fire in me, God. And whatever impossibilities that our people may be facing, God, today, I pray that your power and your presence would show up in a mighty way. 
And I pray at the end of these 21 days of prayer and fasting that we've had such incredible experiences with you, to know you, that for the next, come on, 40, 50, 60 years, you're going to remember this day. You're going to remember this year is the year that God, come on, placed the staff in your hands and said, I want you to never let it go. It's my presence and my power. It'll keep your marriage together. It'll keep, come on, it'll keep your finances together. It'll keep you in wisdom. It will keep you in a place where God is truly guiding your life. If you believe it, give God a shout of praise.